Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. This podcast is for you if you have an insane drive to find the truth of things. It's not the good answers that we seek, but the good questions. I interview a range of different guests from many different fields, all with the intention to uncover the simple truths that are hidden in plain sight. Most people don't want to go there. I go there. My guests go there, and you benefit. Please let me know if you enjoy these episodes, and as always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Well, welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Ben Borowski. Uh, he's a Notion ambassador, and he runs the Notion Mastery Program, which is a, a course which people can take to get a handle on the crazy beast known as Notion, which is has infinite potential, but then also with that infinite potential also has the tyranny of potential, So, uh, which I'm uh, experiencing greatly right now. Uh, so welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks for having me. I like that tyranny of potential. Yeah. What's your take on the tyranny of potential? Do you still feel it when you when you use Notion? I honestly don't anymore because I think I've sort of exhausted what I think is the the feature set of Notion at some point. Um, you know, when we we do weekly sessions training and showing what's new in the in the software and how it's evolved over the years. So we've been uh, early. We were some of the first ambassadors. So we've kind of been there since the app second version which was kind of their big public launch um so yeah i think at, at this point like you know i've seen i've seen a lot and uh we've done you know we've trained now about 2000 3000 students or so and a couple hundred organizations that we've helped to either train or do um setups for and so we've kind of seen quite a quite a range of the of the different uh things that people were run into when they use a no code platform like notion mm -hmm. from the personal and from the organizational perspective so from my experience at, at the company we're working with, uh, I had never used Notion before March. Um, and then I started uh, like doing as much training as possible as very quickly, got a very, very quick, uh, but I felt that overwhelm of this product that just like has so many different things. Uh, and yeah. then I was able to get over that lip of overwhelm. Now I'm not overwhelmed by it. I'm still a little bit overwhelmed by it, but um, uh, but I about 60% of the organization still is very much in that overwhelm. Um, and do you notice it in your students that, that, that they, they feel that sense of overwhelm as well? Um, and like, how Absolutely. do you get around that? Or how do you kind of like, uh, people like, oh, okay, calm down. There's like, this is, this isn't so much of a big deal. Um, I mean, training is a big part of it. Um, it organization wise, like we have, um, certain levels, like I, I kind of group notion users into kind of three tiers where you have the people that are need to use notion. So they need to be familiar with the interface. They need to be able to see data, read data, maybe do a little bit of writing. And then, and then there's like higher tier level, which are interacting with databases and things like that. And then you have your, like the third tier, which is the advanced use where you have, um, you know, database creation, uh, linked databases, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that usually at each one of those tiers, there's a bit of, there's quite a, a hurdle for people to get over. So, you know, and usually at those tiers, we like to do some sort of training. So that might be a team-based training, might be one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, our program, Notion Mastery is kind of designed for like solo and small businesses for, for, for them to kind of get over that hump. So usually most of the people that are buying our course have been playing with Notion for a little bit and they're a little bit overwhelmed with the 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 tyranny of potential, uh, so to speak. And so we find that like our whole mantra with with Notion is that uh, templates are not a system, uh, and so people come 
come from the templates world, but then they're like, they want to, they, they kind of realize quickly that like, how do I, how do I modify this template? Like what, how do I, how do I bring people into it? And so you start to see these, like, you know, these issues arise where people get overwhelmed with, you know, all the different parts that are going on with that mm -hmm. in within the ecosystem. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So to answer the question, it's mostly, mostly training and mostly, you know, that filling that knowledge gap. And there's so many different ways that you can do that now with notion. Mm. Uh, now based on your, the three tiers that you talked about, the need to use it, the interacting with databases and the advanced user, uh, advanced uses, I think I'm, I feel like I'm now past the interacting with databases and now I'm at the, or going towards the advanced user base. And that's definitely where, um, yeah. where, where I need to look next basically. So, so you're, you're effectively, you know, you're looking back at these two first user groups and, and now you're thinking like, well, how, how do I design a effective workspace that uh, allows the, the first tier folks, the, the consumers to come in and, and find the information that they're looking for. So we're getting into user experience design. We're getting into, like, I, I think of it as very much like designing a website. Um, and I've written about this a little bit before about how most notions workspaces end up in the Craigslist effect. Uh, to start out, which is, you know, a large page of of sub pages, kind of maybe you have some headers around them, and the pages are kind of grouped underneath those headings, and it's like, okay, like what are we actually doing in this space? Like, what action am I taking? And so uh, yeah. that's usually one of the first the first like kind of things that when teams hire us is we end up doing more auditing work and being like, okay, what's been done so far? What are you trying to do? you know, doing those inquiry based, um, you know, explorations with the teams, like, um, I'd, and with the no code tools, I find that a lot of times the, the complexity of the teams tends to like be sort of expressed through notion in a way, because it gives you so much control and so much freedom. It's like, I, I think of it a lot of times as like, um, just, opening it up, opening up your public website to like, everybody can just edit pages on the site. And like, how, how would that actually look if you allowed all of your team members to just edit the public website, like anytime they want to. <laughs> um, so I think where, you know, for where you're at right now is like, you, you need to start kind of thinking about what are some of those, what are some of those guidelines that I could put in like a little bit of a guardrail thing? How do I design the permissions such that um, like everybody, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot in my work is what what I call full access workspaces. So by default, Notion is full access, you know, the permission setting. So when you create new pages, everybody that's a member has full access to them unless you change that and make modifications. So you we get into these scenarios where we work with customers that have hundreds of employees accessing their data and the whole thing is full access. So any employee, anyone can accidentally hit command A and, and backspace and delete your entire workspace. So like that, that's the kind of stuff where you get into the complexities of like the advanced stuff where like, how do I, okay, great. I can use this myself. It's no big deal, but now I'm working with somebody else, like who can do what here. And then you start to get into group dynamics, um, team dynamics, technology, like prowess as well. So we want to be able to design something that, so that the power users of notion can like fluidly move through the system without having any restrictions and things like that. So it gets quite complex when you get into the larger organizations. So, and you you guys already have a course basically for the advanced user base. Yeah. So, Notion Mastery is 
is effectively a kind of it's almost like a build with me journey so we're uh -huh. marie it marie made the original course and it's basically like we have this thing we call the track journey which goes through three levels of of development so level zero is like how to use the pages databases all that good stuff and level one has you build out under like different categories so we have like a personal development journey like a business ops journey and like all these different like tracks so you're kind of like grabbing these workspace components and building along kind of with the instructions in a way so it's kind of like um i i like to think of it as like i'm a programmer by trade and mm -hmm. a lot of the programming languages i've learned you do like a sample project basically that you could then either like you know, make derivatives from to make your own product that you wanted um, or or whatever. Um, and so we basically get them to go on this kind of like little journey or whatever, and then share specific milestones um, in our community as they go through the the content. So at level three, you're you're highly advanced. You have a general kind of understanding of how permissions work um, and so on and so forth. And so our, our track journey is very personal focus. And then we do these live trainings, which kind of supplement the, the track journey. So I will do something like next month, we're going to do something with automation. So we can, you know, if you want to learn all about like buttons and how the new project automations work, you know, we've got a live call for you that we can then record. And so we've got this sort of like journey that you start with, and then you can attend the live live trainings for mm -hmm. the supplemental stuff Got it. um originally so. we were trying to keep keep up keep the journey like up to speed with the notion releases but it releases so frequently that we decided like okay we'll just like this is like the set it and forget it thing and it makes more sense to do just like a live training every week like what happened this week in notion land and so we do these things called demo days where, all right, what does this mean for you? Like, how are you going to use this? And then like a Q&A session at the end. Um, so that's basically what people pay for access for these days is like our our, our opinions and our on our demos of the Notion software. Editorial, um, editorial content on the releases, which is wild because it gets into Notion as a company, which is really, really interesting for me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's fewer other other people who are interested in stuff like this, but the fact that, you know, Evernote, Evernote just shut down. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff in there that I, and I need to figure out how to get it out of there. And, you know, I know yep. that Notion has an Evernote um, integration uh, you know, but I've been taking notes on all these different platforms and really before this job, my, my whole thing was keep it simple. And so I would use things like Workflowy uh, and uh, Roam Research was the one that I was really into. Uh, and then Notion is like the opposite of my principle. I'm really glad I'm doing it because it's very interesting to to learn about it. it. There is a lot of things you can do that you can't do in other things. Um, and uh and so it's super, and now there's all these other ones. There's like Obsidian and there's WikiJS. I know so one person I interviewed, they moved from Notion to WikiJS because of the permissions, because of the access control. Uh, and so you've got mm -hmm. this wild company that's obviously extremely creative. Um, the people at Notion are very creative and they're very like, they they really know how to ship a lot of things, a lot of products. Uh, but then they're all, because the it's the same tyranny of potential that they've got within their business focus as well, because they've got, you know, all these things that they're trying to do. And I was just thinking, uh, let me see if today I was like trying to figure out there's something I was trying to figure out. And I was like, um, oh, yeah, it's the um, copy and pasting, copy and pasting into Notion, not mm -hmm. having it automatically go into bullets. So I don't know when. So when you when you switch, when you do the backsplash and then you write the thing that you want it to change into, 
Um, and then instead of having it change that specific one, it then creates it underneath and you need to go and delete it. Or when you copy and paste things uh, and you want to like today, I was I, I wanted to switch all of the all of the titles into he toggle headings. And then it put I copied and pasted a bunch of content, wanted to switch it from bullet points to toggles. And then it created nested inside of different toggles. And I'd have to go back and, and fix that and stuff like that. Yeah. And like for them as a company to, you know, they've got all of these things on their roadmaps for like the buttons. I watched your YouTube video about how they're doing automations with the buttons. It seems very exciting what they're doing. Um, but then mm -hmm. this other thing that is really a big problem for me because I'm copy and pasting things all the time. Yeah. Um, they're probably not going to solve because like there's just so many things that they can do. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's the uh, this is the the balance of of uh, features and and support that uh, almost all SaaSes. Uh, I used to run a, a mm. multi sided marketplace uh, course platform, and and as a as a product developer, you know, you always have this like thing of trying to make these really cool features for the future to keep people like in, interested in the product and make a, give us like this market fit or whatever. But then there's these, you know, you have your um, your your long long-term customers that you also need to keep happy with you know making sure that the product is supported and bug free and things like that and and you you have some of these really subtle like improvements like the quality of life stuff that that uh like really delight people uh for example one of my biggest tweets like in the last month or two was i was talking about how in the ambassadors community I just said, wouldn't it be cool if you could just hold shift to select the end date in the date picker property? That would save me probably like hours of of time a week having to like manually click click that end date toggle and then go back and select the date. Yep. And six six months after I posted that, an engineer picked that up and was like, hey, I've got a PR for this, probably going to be shipping on Monday. And I was like, you're a champ. So like, you know, that kind of stuff, like that is the stuff that actually delights the paying customers is, is like these small, like quality of life improvements. So like, oh my God, I can actually copy and paste without having to reformat and add the line breaks. That's a huge quality of life thing. But is that driving new revenue for a no. company? You know, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Right. That's, but, it, but it could be like when you have like retention issues as well, like it, de it depends on the severity of the issue, but um, yeah, copy and paste probably, you know, that's probably lower on the tier of, of things that they want to fix and stuff, but well, and, and maybe with the new, with the new AI stuff, because I know I tried it, I think we ran out of the AI subscriptions, but, but I was, I was fooling around with the AI a lot. And one of the key things I wanted to get to do was to re to, to reformat it according to our company guidelines that, we, that we've created uh, to automatically reformat, copy and paste things and then reformat. And it was able to yep. do that under certain conditions. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that the AI is probably going to wildly, wildly change notion. Have you seen, have you been using AI or what, what's your take oh, on yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was actually tweeting about this yesterday, how mm -hmm. um, like you, it's a little bit the way that Notion Notion works with both OpenAI and with this other company called Anthropic, which mm -hmm. makes the I think it's called Claude is their is their main product. Um, so I think Anthropic kind of does the the interface with Notion stuff. So when I say like I want to make a bullet, you know, like a list of things that it's able to like you know make a make Notion shaped objects, Notion blocks. So I think in the future that we'll be able to say like, and you can actually do this now in some some cases where I could, like I use this example a lot in our training where I say, um, generate a table of the top grossing movies in 1990 with a, you know, mm -hmm. cover image being the 
the poster of the image or whatever, and it'll give you like Batman and like, you know, it'll actually generate a notion table of that data. Um, so you can, you can do stuff like that right now where you can generate notion objects via AI. Um, but the, the prompts have to be quite particular. I think mm -hmm. right now it's, it's, it's not as fluid as something like chat GPT. And I think it's, it's difficult to kind of like change context mid page. It like, it takes all of its context and what it's doing and what it's generating from the page itself. So all the properties in the page, what you've already written in the page, like, it's all going to be like, kind of like, that's the, that's the effectively the prompt data that's being passed to, uh, to open AI or anthropic as it were. Mm. So it's tough to have that like conversational fluid, uh, discussion that you can have with like something like chat GPT. Um, so, and I think some of their newer tools where they have like, um, the auto-generated summaries and mm. database tables and things like that, some of that stuff can be useful, but then I, I start to wonder like, Okay, so, but like, what what kind of decisions are you making based on that data? Like, how accurate does it need to be? Does it just need to be a summary, or am I actually make taking action based on like, oh, this project says it it's in need of a of a check in because the status is is X and it hasn't changed in this many days? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that could be the future of those type of things. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for those type of that type of work, accuracy is really important. So I'm curious how, what, what they're going to do to improve the uh, generation accuracy. And you might have special insight into this, given that you, you're a programmer as well, but the, it's like, you know, Notion was designed under principles. They've got their whole code base that's built off of a world that's probably not integrated with AI. And now they have to switch to one that is integrated with AI. And then I'm sure AI will help with that, but it seems like there's a large gap uh, between those two, those two states basically. And I'm wondering, um, I'm sure it's just like a big, it's going to be a big challenge for them to adapt their whole, their, the code base and the way they work with this new form. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be other kind of competitors that come up in terms of, uh, uh, uh building AI products specifically around knowledge management. We could talk about yeah. knowledge management as well too. If yeah. You're well, Notion's advantage is that it's, it's, it's all, it's all based on the same hierarchy of blocks. So mm -hmm. everything at the top level is just a block. So there's a workspace block, basically there's a, there's a team space block. And then underneath that you got pages. And then in the, in the pages, you've got, you've got uh, other pages. And so everything is a block in notion. Mm -hmm. And so like they have this architecture of like sort of Legos where you can, you know, build up blocks here and there and then move them over here and move them over here, wherever mm -hmm. you need them to be. So I think that they're that, Anthropic, I think, is that layer in between the the building block layer and the and the more like you know the AI layer where like we can generate a bunch of content, but how do we actually turn that into a thing that Notion can recognize, like the block system, versus mm -hmm. like ChatGPT is generally just creating text, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or um, versus like, but it can generate pieces of code, and so like you know it'll be able to you know do stuff with Notion. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a tricky, that's a long-term goal, I think for the organizations, obviously figuring out how that, how the AI enmeshes with their existing architecture. And everybody else is trying to think about that too, because it's, uh, it's yeah. kind of a big change. Uh, what's your take on knowledge management? Like, so do you, do you consider yourself a knowledge manage manager? Um, like, what do you think knowledge management is? Do you like that term? Is there a better term? Like, uh, what, what, do you have any thoughts on all that? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's an okay term. Do I consider myself a knowledge manager? I mean, I don't think you can 
not be a knowledge manager. Like, like that's just kind of what we are as, as a, as a base in some way. Um, and it's just a matter of like the, how you apply it to, to the systems around you. Um, I think of myself as a systems thinker, as a designer, as a, you know, an explorer and, you know, having, having a, a knowledge capture and expression system is, is a big part of that, obviously. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm also like getting recently into, um, complexity theory, which mm. is really interesting to me. Um, I've studied, been studying a little bit, the Kinefin mm. method, Dave, Dave Snowden stuff about like, uh-huh. so like, you know, dif- differentiating between uh, complexity and complicated, com- you know, and simple and like, when do we employ these tactics and good practices? And you know, like, what are the conditions that need to need to be in place for that kind of stuff? So I think, yeah, like in terms of like knowledge management and complexity management and systems management, they're all kind of like, inter- there's a lot of interplay there for me. I, uh, I interviewed Dave Snowden uh, a few months back for the Amazing. crazy wisdom. So anybody's interested they can go look it up um so yeah complexity theory you got knowledge management knowledge capture and expression um capture is a really interesting thing because i know tiago forte talks a lot about that i've had him on that show as well a long time ago um uh, and uh knowledge capture is very interesting have you heard of rewind.ai i haven't no so rewind.ai, I think it's only available on Mac, but you basically install it. It's like, uh, I'm, it's very con- controversial, I'm sure, but uh, uh, you install it and it memorizes everything you do um, on your Mac. Um, you need the latest chip in order to do it. Uh, and um, it's just basically everything, every single thing you do on your on your computer, it just basically memorizes all of that and then gives you insight into it. Um, and uh, it's a fascinating uh, consumer product, but uh but um, uh, it's just like the, the the capture is a really interesting part of knowledge management. But then transferring the capture into something usable is always something because I basically capture yeah. everything. But then how do you actually then find it again? And it's so interesting because that's the way that I, I the there's so many pieces of information, particularly in our modern world where you like a account number. I was just writing down all my account numbers for banks and stuff like that. You only need that like once every couple of months, basically. And then yeah. by the time you need it again, usually, unless you've run into problems a lot like this, you usually lose it basically. I guess that's yeah. where systems come in as well, because if you have a system, then, then, you know, to put that in that one place and that one place you, you have that, and you know, you, you memorize that. That's where it goes. Do you have any thoughts on this about like capture and like turning capture into valuable um, insight? Yeah. I know Tiago, um, famous for building a second brain has the part of the the para method which is in effectively the storage mechanisms of storing your information and then the he has also the code acronym the you know collect organize i think distill express so you know we have to have something on the backside of all this information that helps us uh, identify what's useful to us and it allows us to sort of inhabit that um so i think you know in more and more like you know i just remember being a, a a kid and i you know you could ask me what my friend's telephone number was and i would have that memorized for you and as we got like personal computers and devices or even putting it into a book or whatever that has become like to the point now where i don't it's my wife and i have to struggle like she's always like 
your numbers xyz again like you know like that like uh so i think more and more the 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 lines on what a capture actually like rewind is a great example where there's actually no like implicit capture or yeah yeah like explicit capture rather it's just everything is implicitly captured now which is a a a fun grab bag of surveillance uh state technology who knows what's going to happen there a little terrifying but yeah but the so the the distillation and the expression part of the code acronym is going to be more and more important you know as we go forwards like what how are we actually like rewind is cool but i'd i'd be curious to see like what exactly to what end effectively mm-hmm. um and um yeah the second brain thing always interests me a lot because like i think of knowledge as not really like a a thing that's unique to us but like there's like this interface and interplay between brains that happens where Mm -hmm. where the actual like ideation tends to come from and so i think there'll be like a lot of interesting thing things happening in knowledge management where there's like interplay between brains effectively which is a little bit i guess what you would expect ai to do for us um so like uh, I think some people doing really interesting work uh, in this field are Nick Milo, who's who's got uh, linking your thinking. Uh, you probably want to talk to him. He's yeah. he's a Obsidian guy. Um, okay. But yeah, that like idea of constantly like you know capturing information, making inferences between the things, and linking your documents, and so that you can you know do your best idea work and your best thinking. Um, so yeah, there's lots of lots of different tools for this now, and it's it's a really exciting time. Um, and so this brings to mind something I've been thinking about for a long time, which is, you know, you've got second brain, but it seems mm-hmm. like I'm sure Tiago's done um, consulting for companies and stuff, but it seems like not many people have really created the second brain for organizations. Like, like how do you actually do a second brain for an organization? How do you build a second brain for an organization? Because I guess it's basically the same principles, but I'm really the, in, in my job right now, it's like, I, there's so little information online about how to make sure that we're capturing the right information. We're then spreading the right information to other people that we're distilling it, that we're um, expressing it to the right people. It's like these, it's just like, there's almost nothing online about it, which is like crazy because it's it's like such a big problem. That's yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I just recently in the last couple of months started working on a a new program that I'm calling architect architecting workspaces, which is hopefully in, in the, in that vein, like how do, how do we, as, as organizations design these, these virtual and in-person workspaces and how do we organize thought around that? Because, um, like with the, you know, when we talk about like the complexity layers, we get, we get into very complex systems when we have interpersonal dynamics and team systems. And I tend to find that like the knowledge that we're capturing and like what's important to capture, like that's like, that's kind of embedded in the, in the brand and in some, in some way. And so Mm -hmm. there's like this self-analysis that the organization has to do and inquiry. um, There's like an inquiry step that I think is often missing from these organizational things. We tend to just like dump out our, our thoughts. And like, I, I see this a lot with organizations where they're in Signal, they're in Slack, they're in text messages, they're sending emails, and they're just like sending files back and forth. There's knowledge just being thrown everywhere. It's just like, they're just like, you know, like sprinting it out, like, uh, like you know, like doing the dollar dollar bills, but it's just like knowledge docs, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, but there's, there's very little thought given to the, what are we doing here? Like, um, like what, why, why is knowledge being sent around? Like, um, so that like, 
Um, and Marie, my partner and I, we, we're doing, we're doing a lot of work in, in, in uh, permaculture right now mm -hmm. and trying to figure out how do we, how do we map permaculture principles to business systems and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so the, one of the, the first, you know, and first, uh, parts of, of permaculture, these observation, observational phases. Um, and so like, I'm trying to build something that will help these teams, like figure out like, like somebody like yourself, basically, yeah. like, how do we, how do we do these dousing methodologies to figure out like what the right, what the right things that we need to capture are. Cause I, it's just like most of these, most of these companies are just fire hosing knowledge at people. And, and then they're like, okay, here's like a million things. They're just going to fire hose these at you and you you have full access. So as soon as you access it, you might accidentally mess it up and delete it for everybody else. And so like, there's this just like chaos of, of like access and, and utility, but it's, it's really hard to know like how to, you know, as an organization, what's important. Um, yeah. So I think, I think most of the, when we think about building a second brain, most of the time organizations get to the para part, the storage, but they don't, they can't figure out the, the distillation stuff very well. That's really interesting. What you mentioned about permaculture and the observation phrases reminds me of a great story, which is that, uh, 20 in March, 2020, I went into the woods thinking that it was, um, uh, go time in terms of uh, prepping. I was not a prepper, but I was like, okay, well yeah. now I have to be a prepper. So I'm going to go do that. And so I bought a house in the woods and in a place that's just really, really well known for permaculture and psychedelics and in California and stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, so, so I bought this house and the, all this, all these hippies around me. Uh, know, and so uh, kind of, you know, talking with them, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and uh, I was renting out my house uh, to, to some of them. Uh, and the, he was a permaculture guy, knew a lot about plants, but very disorganized, very kind of like, you know, just like a typical hippie kind of like really creative, beautiful thoughts, like musicians and stuff like that. But sometimes in the implementation would be, would be lacking. Uh, and so he said the, he, he said the most, what he asked me, what's the most important tool, uh, in permaculture. And I want to ask you, what, what do you think is the most important tool in permaculture? Oh, I'm geez. Uh, I mean, I think it's the. I think it's the observational phase, like, well, like the, that's what yeah, it, like, it there's, the, there's a, there's like the famous thing about, um, I don't remember what university it was, but it's, it happens on every university where like they, they design walkways and paths and stuff through the, through the different buildings and like where, to, but like the best way to actually see like where we should build paths and roads is like observe where people are walking and they'll just like walk where they need to go to make like, you know, their lives easier. They'll just cut across here and a, and a trail will start to form. So like, if you just start building and, and this is so true with like SAS and with any kind of like knowledge work, like if you start building infrastructure where there is no, nobody has tread yeah. yet, yeah, you, it's, you're going to build something that looks, looks great. Um, it looks like a nice, nice structure, nice, nice way to capture knowledge, but like nobody's going to use it because they're, they're, they've already formed all their yeah. own systems over here. Yeah. These things are tend to be naturally evolving. So if you're not, if you're not like sort of moving in flow with those natural, like company dynamics, like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna run into some pretty hard walls pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's a lot of the work, a lot of the work that I do as a consultant with Notion is like, okay, like week one, let's talk about how you communicate. And they're like, I'm sorry, I thought we were doing Notion here. And it's like, no, like, you know, because <laughs> we, the, 
yeah that's gonna all that stuff is going to be derivative of of like you know the in ins and outs of the system which is you know going back to permaculture is like the yield and the inputs outputs how do we feed things through to the next thing to make it efficient and so we utilize the fish waste here to fertilize these crops and these crops go here like you know that kind of thing like where we're you know using using that observational phase to see like well what's already working you know so the number one tool of permaculture is the hammock observation right. like so yeah, yeah, you sit in the hammock and yeah. you look at it, yeah um and uh but then the 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 rest of the story was that i, that I then had a, a programmer who was super interesting who was a, a weed a weed uh, gardener um and who so we were in california i know i think you're in canada but in california the uh, uh you know we had the weed weed market go like crazy and then it, it just collapsed totally collapsed um and uh he came in and and he started helping me with the garden and stuff but according to like programming scientific like really really dialed down uh and both of these guys met each other the hippie and the and the programmer uh and uh and i told the 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 programmer that that um you know the number one tool in the in the in the tool stack of the of the permaculture is the hip the the is the um the hammock but uh he didn't he he thought that that was pretty uh pretty funny because yeah uh, it's just ridiculous so Okay, so, so oh well, yeah, I got to I got to comment on that sure. because as a pro, as a yeah. programmer, <laughs> as a programmer, like I'm a hundred percent on board hammock guy because like yeah. the programmer's yeah, tool is the is the log. What is actually happening in the system? What is what are the things that are being outputted? So like observation is a whole observational systems is a whole thing it's a whole uh, cottage industry in in programming like you know how do we actually see what's happening with all these different servers with the logs with the where's the data going like the ability to figure out why something is working the way it is is like you know that's core to programming it has nothing to do with writing code in my mind like code and like especially with ai like like we aren't going to have to worry about like actually writing the the instructions anymore. We just have to describe what we want it to do. So I think that observational phase is going to become even more fundamental to uh, design and, uh, um, and yeah. So like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly surprised, but not actually kind of not surprised because I yeah. think sometimes people miss those, miss those well, details. Yeah, well, and it and it it was it was it it was it's reflective of because yeah, I think you're right, and I think that the observational part is going to become more important, particularly as AI runs. But in our current tool environment, um, uh, a lot of the a lot of the more hippie, and I'm part hippie too. I'm a bohemian. I don't know what I am, but uh, but but uh, so like the 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 sometimes the execution uh from the observation to the actual like implementation uh can be lacking among the among the hippie community so i think the mm -hmm. the, the hammock thing because you can get stuck in the hammock um so uh but i think you, you made a really good point at the observational yeah. thing like that's just going to become more and more important so i think the hippies are going to win pretty soon um the yeah so the the hammock the hammock to getting stuck in the hammock thing is something that would be interesting to explore a little bit um I recently, it's literally that I'm, I'm on day eight now I'm, I'm tracking my streak, but I'm doing this thing that I'm calling and like, I'm probably like growing up, like I would have never said that I was a hippie, but I'm moving uh -huh. towards that myself these days. Yeah. Like I was, I was a punk rock kid, so that was not my thing. But, um, 
but I'm doing this thing called nature power hour every morning. So uh, instead of hopping on my phone or scrolling Twitter or whatever, I walk out, I have my, like, I have my clothing, like my gardening clothing, like just laid out on the porch. So it gets nice and sun and warmed up. I just walk out naked, get, get dressed. And I do, I do yard work and, and gardening for like at least an hour. So this morning I was out there for two hours, felt really good to be out there. And I'm finding that like, the 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 things that I'm actually going to pursue, the projects are kind of evolving out yeah. of the work. So like I'm treating like not like the hammock and just sitting in the hammock. There's there's a there's a utility to that, but there's also a utility to like observational work in in a in a sense. I'm trying to figure out what the what the right coinage for that is, but like where you're actually you're doing something, whether it's maintenance or and it's more like exploration yeah. or experimentation, right? So that side of the like the hammock is really interesting to me. Like how do we actually reduce the amount of planning we're doing? Um, like the idea of managing that is, is really is starting to get very, very nebulous to me. Like, I don't, I I'm, I'm trying to move toward try. How do, how can we move so that like, you know, we're not, and I think AI with the, you know, we're, there's going to be less of these like explicit structures of, of for managing information and more just like, like, just flows of information and how do we tap into those and then like, you know, grab it, release it, um, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's almost another kind of hippier layer. We could go with that too. Cause we mm, got the hammock yeah. and we got the, the, the hammock mindset while you're doing the, uh, the busy work that then elucidates what you can actually work on, on a longer time frame. I think is a, is an interesting idea. Yeah. So that's, that's some of the stuff that the stuff we're getting into now is like, that's the work that Marie and I are doing my Marie Poole and my partner mm. are doing, which we're, we're sort of tenuously calling zone zero, which is based on like the permaculture zones where like the zone zero is the self. And then like, as you go out, it's like, you know, your community and stuff. And we've been doing some, some, some kind of exploratory training work in that way. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like, these like software, software utilities for like exploring yourself in that, in that realm, um, uh -huh. you know? So yeah, a lot of interesting crossover between like permaculture and notion and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and there's one question specific I want to ask you about the log, because I love the analogy of the hammock yeah. as log as a programmer and how are you using the log inside of notion? Um, like, do you use that as at all in terms of your ability to go in and see what's actually being done? Cause the, the analytics are good. Um, not, they're not, they're not great. The, yeah. um, so there's, there's an audit log in uh, at the enterprise, um, plan. Um, and it gives you some insight into stuff, but you cannot, um, like there's no, there's no webhook system. So like the ability, what I think would be really useful is the the ability to react to changes happening in a system. Uh, right now it's just purely observational. Yeah. So if I've decided that, oh, when this act when this thing happens in my system, I I actually need to react in some way. So I need to know, like, for example, I'll give you an example of one mm -hmm. of my customers was was worried about having public page sharing turned on. What might anybody in my space be sharing publicly we might want to like police that they could turn that whole system off they can say no public page sharing yeah, allowed or yeah. so there's one way to control it but in terms of observation like that would be something that if i could if i could be notified or or put some put the public page sharing into a queue that can then be approved or whatever like that kind of thing like a monitoring system so we go from like observe observing to monitoring to like actually acting on those things. Um, so I don't use 
notions very much because it's it's more like proprietary and locked down. You can't really see behind the scenes of and react to those things very well. Um, so the, I suppose no, you could. There's no API. You can't you can't check those no. things with the Notion API. It doesn't give you access to those things. No. No, it's an it's an audit log that you can export like a CSV, so you could uh, upload it somewhere uh, else and process it. But it's not a real time feed that you could access and make reactions to the way that um, some other software might. And I'm not, you know, I don't know that that's something, you know, Notion's always um, adding little small little enterprise feature upgrades as yeah. they go along to to keep those customers happy. Um, but I'm not sure, like you know. Um, what's going on there. Those are those are the kind of the features that I don't think many your average Notion user ever is aware of or sees yeah, because they're they're at that like high price, high price point. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing. I think that's the very interesting sort of tension around Notion is that it started as this just beautiful way of taking notes and then enterprises jumped on it now and and yeah, like yeah, yeah. And, and like how do yeah. you there's two those are two different very different customers as well. Yeah, and we we address that a lot because we get that like you know the the notion is a notion is a corporation and you know they it is not a offline first like super private like your your stuff is your own kind of company and so if you're doing like personal journaling and and you really want that to be super private to you and and you know I make a lot of jokes a lot about. Mm. Um, you know, end-to-end -end encryption and and how people want um, their bowel movement tracker to be end-to-end -end encrypted. You know, I joke about that a lot because I'm like, come on, like what what could you possibly be journaling about that is that important to have end-to-end -end encrypted? But there's a lot of stuff that could be your health data, could be, you know, so if you care about those things, then you, you know, you want to use like a different platform other than Notion um, mm. for that type of stuff. Mm. Um, have you so, heard yeah, of like I yeah, very, uh, very tangent uh we could go down but have you heard of urbit before urbit no, yeah you are so. you are bit uh it's a new as a programmer i think you'd, you'd enjoy reading about it but it basically as it's it's take, taking that personal journaling and um, bowel movement kind of end-to-end -end encrypted mm -hmm. the whole they've created a whole new internet based on that so awesome. a whole new a whole new operating system a whole new internet uh and a whole new functional programming uh based off of peer-to-peer -peer networking um, so that you can port your data. If you don't like to be associated with one node on the network, you can totally just block them off point yeah. your data. It's very, it's very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the, there's a sort of notion clone almost called any type, mm. which is similar. And they're, they're all of their storage is based on the inter interplanetary file system, which is uh, a, a blockchain based storage. I think it's not nothing to do with Bitcoin or anything like that. It's just blockchain technology. IFPS is like a file, a decentralized file storage thing. And so like, um, if you're into that, like totally offline, totally decentralized data storage, any type is pretty, it's a pretty cool, like it's pretty experimental. Um, but you know, I think a lot of these things tend to be, um, if you, if you want more, more control over your, over how your data works. Um, so yeah. definitely not the norm of these days. Yep. Cool. So let's take about five, uh, five, 10 minutes left. Um, uh, is there anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. It's been an interesting conversation. This is, I mean, I, this is, it's been a, I've been a bit rambly today, but I think this is where, um, this is kind of where me and my partner are at right now, where like we've been doing the notion mastery course for a couple of years. It's pretty kind of stable now. And we have a whole system for, 
training people. And then, then, you know, the, the, the work that I've been doing with organizations has kind of unraveled, un uncovered this new, this new thing, which, you know, you've obviously said like, where are these resources for, for people trying to do this at scale with teams, you know, they don't exist. So like, that's kind of where I'm, I'm heading next. So I'm, I feel like we, we covered that. We kind of dug out some interesting things and went there naturally. Well, I would love uh, to get just some, some insight into, so, so I'm, I'm going to go basically uh, so we've got our whole company, very prolific organization doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, I decided I, at first I was like, okay, I'm going to just organize this whole thing, just reorganize this whole thing. And I realized very quickly how, how impossible that's going to be, um, mm -hmm. just one person. Uh, and so, uh, so I'm going to go department by department by department. Um, and the first department I'm going to really focus on is, and is finance. Um, and I'm just, uh, based on what you've known from me so far, are there any kind of pointers that you can give to, uh, uh basically, uh, maybe help me think about how to actually go into this department? We are already talked about our observational things, and I'm definitely going to yeah. be doing a lot of observation, a lot of user testing, a lot of talking. Um, but any, any, well, I guess, yeah, well, are, are there any gotchas that I should look out for in terms of a reorganization of a company's, um, uh, organization? I think. I think the biggest gotcha, and especially when we get into like something like finance, is that um, the the permission models get pretty complex when it comes to data storage. So a lot of the customers I work with are like, oh, you know, we want to store contracts or we want to store uh, financial data, but we only want the you know C level folks to have access to it, mm -hmm. um, stuff yeah. like that. So there's a there's a some decisions that could kind of get made early on about um how are we segmenting our data like does the finance team you know and and i think usually what i start with doing is is i'll go to the heads of like these different part departments and we kind of have a powwow on like what is what does the work look like as a whole at the organization in terms of like the shared things that we do together you know like is there is there sops that are accessible to everyone or is there specific department sops um, and typically what I do is um, organize all of the Notion content around a team's or a department's database mm -hmm. so that you can have a dashboard, a templatized dashboard in each of those team databases. Um, and that allows you to collect, you know, kind of like connect things disparately. But the biggest hurdle that I usually run into is um, my team, my team can't share these documents with other people. Like it has to be private to me. So having a good um, starting point, like a shared set of databases and primitives that you can work with, all teams can access, and then determining which people need their own little like private ver versions of that. And sometimes it can be good to build like a sort of starter kit for a team um, that other teams can duplicate and, and move into a team space or move into even just a private uh, private page that they share with a group or whatever. Um, but usually it's that like um, defining your defining your groups early on and groups from a perspective of like team team based groups, cross functional groups, but then also like notion like savviness groups so that you can say like, mm -hmm. okay, anybody in the notion admins group can have full access to to this database. the this specific team gets gets editing and everybody else can can just create the content in the database so mm -hmm. defining your defining your permission model and your and your team layout early on is is usually good mm -hmm. um and definitely it sounds like you've already taken the you've are you're already aware of the fact that like 
doing too much at once with too many teams is not a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the biggest thing but, I'm trying to envision is like, cause I, I'm going to go organization by organization. The biggest thing that I'm like is getting the context on all of these different things to, in order to help them with the actual organization grunt work go, going. Cause yeah. it like, it feels like I need to go in and understand what they're actually working on. And there's all, there's so many things being worked on, on this company. Um, yeah. and, but then, but at the, the big hurdle at the end, it feels like the stitching it all together and making that left sand, that left sidebar, actually navigable for anybody who's actually joining the company seems like just such a giant thing um yep. that is going to be challenging yeah. yeah the the biggest the biggest tip there is to that that is the user experience design part yeah. of it right yeah. and so you know doing those doing those stakeholder interviews and figuring out what the teams are doing mm -hmm. can be really helpful but the 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 simplest first step you know a good practice is to uh think about your you know um your databases as your store. So that's your para. So you could have like, you know, projects areas, however you want to organize that. In fact, like para becomes a lot more like, like intertwined in, in notion systems because we can use tagging and things like that to represent. So we don't need an archive, right? We, we can just mark something as archived and it's hidden from view because we can use filters. Right. So it, there's a little bit, it's a little bit less rigid in terms of like the hierarchies we have. So you have like your but you have your para thing, which is like your data sources, right? All the all the things that we need to manage and keep track of um, in one area, and then you have your the backside of of the whole para thing, which is the code part. Those are your action pages. So if you make your sidebar very action oriented, um, like you think of a, I, I often describe mm -hmm. it this way: you go to a website for like insurance or something, and it's like, like what do you? There usually they have like some kind of like decision that you have to make like i want to buy insurance for my house i want to buy insurance for my car so like yeah, you have to think about what is the company doing internally to facilitate the work being done and that might be like i need to start a project i need to capture some feedback uh i need to raise a concern that i have and like so having like sort of that sidebar be those action items in some way and it, and it might be that you have enough going on at the organization that you need multiple entry points. So there may be multiple team spaces. There may be multiple uh, pages. You know, you may be like, are you this type of user? Click here. Are you that type of user? Click here. So it's, it's you know, it's a lot like designing a website. And that's typically why I'm like, yeah, like you should think about it like scope wise. If you're, if you're coming to me as a consultant, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's, it's going to cost you the same as like, I would charge you to build a website or to build an application. You know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a complex thing, right? Yeah. That's super interesting. Yep. Well, thank you so much. So, uh, your course is notion mastery. How can people find it? Notionmastery.com. Um, you can also search, uh, YouTube for myself and my partner, Marie Poulin. She has a really awesome, uh, channel for, uh, all notion things related, uh, notion related things. But yeah. Notion mastery is where, where you can find us. Um, and, uh, yeah. So the, the course is basically, you know, a, a, a large library of exercises that you can do, uh, how to notion from A to Z, you know, from beginner to expert. And we do weekly office hours so you can get your questions answered. We do uh, weekly reviews. We do multiple uh, workshops per month. And so like, you know, it's basically the, one of the best ways to stay up to date on, on notion and, and build your notion knowledge over time. Very cool. So go check out Notion Mastery. Um, and you're on Twitter too, right? Yep. Yeah. At type one error. Type one error. <laughs> um, is that yep. from Daniel Kahneman's book? 
Uh, nope, but uh, I'm not sure what which book you're. Yeah, the, to, the but... type one. There's type one and type two um, uh, systems in the brain, basically. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, I, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if it'll, it's related to the statistical type one error, type two errors. Oh, okay. Different, different things. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes for every weekly episode that I publish on Monday mornings. Hope you have a great day.